This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Today's, uh, to me, today's a very special day. Uh, 50 days after the day of Pentecost, or after the, after, after the uh, Resurrection Sunday is the day of Pentecost. And uh, today I want to talk to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, as believers, we believe in a second work of grace. We believe in a work of uh, the Holy Spirit in our lives. When you're born again, you are born into Christ and born of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in you as a deposit of your faith. And the Holy Spirit's in you. The Holy Spirit satisfies you. The Holy Spirit, salvation satisfies your soul. But then there's a subsequent event that takes place in our lives where you, be, where you, where you become filled with the Holy Spirit. No longer is it for you, but it's so that you might be a witness, so that you might be uh, used by God, that the power of God might flow from you. The Bible describes that as a river of living water flowing out of your innermost being. And today I want to speak to you about that, and I'd like to just simply give you a very basic teaching from the Bible. But, you know, the Word of God is powerful. It's a sharp, two-edged sword, and it's able to discern between the thoughts and the intents of our hearts to convict us, to convince us, and it has a powerful effect in our lives. And today I'd like you to join with me as we study the scriptures, starting with Matthew, the third chapter, the 11th verse. This is where we see John the Baptist, and he's making a promise about what Jesus would do when he came to the earth. John the Baptist was baptizing in water for, the, uh, for repentance, repentance from sin and an entrance into the kingdom in preparation for the one that would come. And uh, he cried out and he said this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. I'm not, I, I, whose shoes I'm not worthy, worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So we, we see that there is something that we're to expect from Jesus, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, I, I see that, you know, Jesus goes on and he instructs his disciples to do something. I taught about this a few weeks ago, and I'd like you to look again at Luke 24, the 24th chapter of the book of Luke, 49th verse, and it says, uh, before Jesus ascended into heaven, at, just before he ascended, these are the words he gave his disciples. He says, behold, I send the promise from my Father upon you. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You see, there's one thing to be born again. It's another thing to be endued with power from on high. Now, many Christians have been born again, but there are very few Christians today that are actually walking in divine power. 
And part of walking in divine power is that we have to, and that word tarry is a very unfortunate word because it almost sounds like we have to wait, but it actually means to position ourselves as one who understands that they're in authority, seated on a throne as one who is going to decree and to carry out something. It's coming to an understanding of who you are. Many Christians don't know who they are. They don't understand that they've been bought with a price. They don't understand that they are, it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ who liveth in me. They no longer know that, that, that they don't understand the fullness of what Jesus actually did for them and that they are seated with him now, today, in heavenly places. And that you have a spiritual authority over all the power of the enemy and that you have a spiritual authority that you can exercise in the earth. And, and so many Christians don't know how to exercise that authority because they've not waited in the sense of understanding that wait, they're waiting for an endowment from power, of power from on high. Uh, there's something about even praying and putting yourself in a position where before you engage in business or before you engage in a conversation that you don't go into that just with natural understanding, with natural wisdom, but that you go enter in with a, a spiritual wisdom, a spiritual understanding, an anointing of the Holy One, an anointing of the Holy Spirit upon you so that you operate in divine wisdom, you operate in divine power, you operate in a, in a divine utterance. And many people are quite willing to, and, and quite satisfied to live as mere men. You know, many Christians just live like anybody else. They, 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 they don't exhibit any authority. They don't exhibit any power. They have really nothing that guides their life other than what they think. But we are not of that ilk. We are believers who believe that the word of God is a source of power. We believe that his Holy Spirit is a source of divine power. And we align ourselves with the word. We align ourselves with the spirit. Even Jesus said that my father looks for a people that will worship me in spirit and in truth. So we're looking for that alignment in the spirit. In Acts chapter one, verses four and five, we see what happened when the disciples, 120 of them, gathered in an upper room and they did exactly what Jesus said. Terry, wait, uh, set yourself in a place where until you be endued. And, 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 and they, were, they were assembled together, the Bible says, with, with them, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Now, these people were evidently born again. Jesus had already been resurrected from the dead. They'd received Christ. They'd received him as Savior. But he's telling them it's not enough to just be saved. He says, wait until you be endued with power. Wait until you receive the power. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Then, of course, we know what happened in Acts chapter 2 uh, and, and, and uh on the day of Pentecost. And let's just read that. Because I'm going to read five accounts of people being filled with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And uh, I want you to see what happened and see if we can't learn something for you and I today. If it happened then, it's probably happening today as well. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. 
And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because every man heard them speak in his own language. I'm always amazed. Was the miracle that they spoke in other tongues? Or was the miracle that everybody heard them speak in their own language? Or were there two miracles? And they were amazed and they marveled, saying to each other, Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? And we hear every man in our own tongue, wherein we are born Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and in the parts of Libya and Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and they were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And yet others were mocking and they said, ah, these men are full of new wine. One version says, they're drunk with new wine. Of course, Peter comes out and says, these aren't drunk with new wine as you suspect. He says, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. Nine o'clock in the morning. Why why would they be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning? But then in Acts chapter eight, we see another story. It says, now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, or, uh, who, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Now, these are Samaritans. These are not even Jews. These are, uh, these are Gentiles. They sent to them Peter and John, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he had not fallen on any of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, of the apostles' hands, that the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that whomsoever I lay hands on may receive the Holy Ghost. Now, we don't know what happened here, we suspect. But Simon, a sorcerer, saw something powerful happen. He saw These people, these Samaritans, not only had they given their lives to Jesus, but now they are having hands laid on them and something powerful is taking place in their lives and they're receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, in the first instance, they spoke in other tongues and people heard in their own language, there was something something happening where people were hearing them speak of the Wonderful exploits in the power of God. I would almost think that that's almost prophetic, that they're speaking in their own language of the power and the exploits of God. Speaking in tongues is an evidence of speaking, of receiving the Holy Spirit. We know that. You'll see that throughout the scriptures. But it's not the only evidence. In Acts chapter 9, we see the story of... Uh, the Apostle Paul, of course, he'd uh, been knocked down by a great light, and it was the Lord, and he'd been persecuting the church, and the Lord arrested him and blinded him. And, and we see here that Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on Paul, said, Brother Saul, 
the Lord, even Jesus, has appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest, and he has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and that you might be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith, and he rose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were in Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. But all that heard were amazed and said, is, not, is this not the one that destroyed them which called on the name of Jesus in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is the very Christ. Now, this is an incredible story. Here we see Saul who had persecuted the church, who was giving consent to Stephen being murdered, our first martyr, who they laid Stephen's garment, his cloak, at Paul's feet, and he was kind of the chief persecutor. And as they stoned him, he stood by and approved of it. And on his way to Damascus with papers to arrest those in the way, they were called the way then, the church was called the way, He's smitten, he's struck down and blinded by a bright light. And he hears a voice. And those around him hear the voice. They don't know what it says, but they hear the same voice. The voice says, Saul, Saul, why didst thou persecute me? He says, Lord, who are you? That's kind of a dumb question. Lord, who are you? I mean, <laughs> he knew it was the Lord. And it was Jesus that spoke to him. He was taken to a place in the city, a, a street there where he was held. And then Ananias, how would you like to be Ananias? See, you have to be full of the Holy Ghost to do what God tells you to do. How many times has Jesus tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, I need you to go speak to Brother Manangagwa? Well, he may not speak to Brother Manangagwa, but he, there, there may be somebody that he smites with blindness and God sends you, but would you go? Hmm? Who would go? No, no, just little Ananias. Who's Ananias? He's nobody. He's just a, a, a saint who's obedient. But that saint was full of the Holy Ghost. And he goes and he lays hands on Brother Saul and says, you're no longer Saul, you're going to be Paul. And it says the scales fell from his eyes. And I think that's pretty neat right there that he was able to see. But you know what's more important? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and what's amazing is that immediately he got up and he began to preach Christ Jesus. You see, when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you become a witness for Christ Jesus. You are be, a boldness comes upon you to speak about Christ Jesus. 
You begin to be a man and a woman who has power to begin to be a testifier of who Christ is, a testifier of who Jesus is. And it says he got bolder and bolder and stronger and stronger, but many of them doubted. They thought, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. This guy who has been persecuting the church, how do you have that radical of a, a change? I'll tell you how you have that radical of a change. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. See, if you're really filled with the Spirit, if we are really full of the Holy Ghost, you can't help but testify of the good things of God. You can't help but begin to grow from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from power to power. We see another story in the Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, and Peter's trying to give a sermon. He's, he's, he's speaking, and he gets interrupted by the Holy Spirit. I, I love this. I wish Holy Spirit would interrupt me today. He says, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, and they heard them magnify God. Let me tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you have the power to speak in other tongues. But you also have the power to magnify God. Something bursts on the inside of you and you begin to be a magnifier of who God is. Your life begins to magnify God. Your words begin to magnify God. Your spirit begins to be ignited and it becomes a force that brings a magnification of who God is. Your very life begins to be a testimony of who God is when you're full of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 19, verses one through seven, and it came to pass that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not even heard whether there be such a thing as the Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, unto what did were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should receive or believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So that was John's baptism. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we see two baptisms. We see, first of all, the baptism by John, which is the baptism of repentance, preparing the way for one that was coming. Now we see that they were baptized into Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you're baptized into Christ. You receive Christ. It's a baptism into Christ. Christ in you. You in him. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, now this is the third thing, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and they prophesied. And all these men were about 12. There were 12 men. So what happened when they got filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, first of all, they didn't know about baptism. They only had been baptized into John. But, John, but he, he explained to them, he said, but John came talking about another baptism, one that would come and baptize in the Holy Ghost. 
He says, but have you been baptized into Christ? They said, no. no. So he was baptized into Christ. He says, but now let me lay hands on you and you will receive the Holy Ghost. And as soon as he laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. And what was the evidence? They began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. Somebody says, well, do you have to speak in tongues if you get born again? No, you get to. I believe anybody who gets baptized in the Holy Spirit can speak with other tongues as a prayer language. The Bible is very clear. There's a difference between speaking in tongues as a gift of the Holy Spirit that's for interpretation and then praying in tongues. There's a distinction there. I believe you all have the power to pray in the Spirit, pray in tongues. You receive the gift of tongues. It's one of the additional evidences. But it shouldn't just be the only evidence. You should be also have the power to prophesy, to begin to speak of the things of God, to begin to testify powerfully of who God is. There should be a, a power that rises up out of the inside of you, and you begin to speak boldly about the things of God. There should come a boldness on your life that you might be a witness unto the power of God. Paul when, when Jesus told the disciples to stay in uh, Jerusalem, he says that you might become witnesses. That word witness is the word martyr. We get our word martyr from it. Believe it or not, every one of those disciples of the 12 apostles that were baptized in the Holy Spirit on that day were martyrs. They gave their lives because they were so powerfully impacted by the gospel. They weren't alone. There were many others that gave their lives for the gospel. And they didn't give their lives only in death, but they gave their lives in service. Something happens when you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Finally, my last verse today in Luke chapter 11. Who does the Father give the Holy Spirit to? Jesus taught this. He says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he, for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? He says, then if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? So there's an indicator here. We have to understand something. That the Holy Spirit doesn't just come. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to come. You have to ask for the Holy Spirit to come. We have to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when you receive Jesus, you must repent of your sin. The Bible says repent, believe, and be baptized. There's an action we must take in order for our faith to be activated to receive Christ. When you receive Christ into your life, when you receive Jesus into your life, it saves you from your sin. It satisfies a deep need inside of you. It's like drinking from the well of salvation. It satisfies your need. It saves you from going to hell. It saves you from eternal separation from God. But then there's something else we ask for. It's the infilling of the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's to give you power. That's to give you the ability to be a witness, to testify. Amen. 
to have power in your life. Not for some prophet to have power. This is for believers. This is for you to have power. Not for the man of God to have power. It's for every believer. It's not so we can be flashy. It's so we can be witnesses. So that we can have power over sickness. We can have power over the devil. Authority. We can rule and reign in the circumstances of our life. We can learn to be representatives, ambassadors for the almighty God. Would to God that every believer would be full of the Holy Spirit in their position of authority as a waiter in a restaurant. You're serving more than drinks and food. You're serving a spirit of excellence. You're, you're serving an opportunity to speak of Christ, to speak of, even if you don't speak with words. It was St. Francis of Assisi who said this. He says, go everywhere and preach the gospel. And he says that if you must, use words. How many of you know that sometimes just the very way you carry yourself, the very spirit of God on the inside of you, the very spirit of God who exudes from you is a testimony. It's a testament to who almighty God is in you. Amen. Is the spirit of life ushering forth from you? Have you yielded yourself? Have you asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit? See, many African people, especially, I mean, European people as well, but uh, they dabble in witchcraft, they dabble in the occult, but African people have a spirituality about them because you grew up dabbling in ancestral worship. That ancestral worship is spiritism, it's spiritualism, it's using mediums, it's using uh, illegal methods to obtain spiritual power but you're sensitive to it. And you, know, and you know it's real, it's powerful. It really is powerful, by the way. There's a power behind it, but it's demonic. It's not a holy spirit, it's an unholy spirit. It's a family spirit, an ancestor spirit, a family or a familiar spirit that's working in your life. And it's powerful. How many of you know demons have been around a long time and they, they follow families, they know what's going on in your family and they can manifest themselves and they can even tell you little secrets. Ah, this is Uncle Sam. Ah, he, see, he has Uncle Sam's spirit. No, she has Tete Speedway's spirit. <laughs> you don't think I've been around long enough, do you? Well, I, I've been around a long time, and I, and I see you guys, I see even good, I see good Christian people dabble in it, especially around funerals. Hey, we get scared at funerals, don't we? Hey, hey, hey. And some uncle that you haven't seen in 20 years. He's never been at the family ever, but he walks into the scene. This is the culture. The culture. He's half drunk. The culture says. Well, what, what does the culture say? Well, this is how. He, he can't explain it, but this is how we do it. And he imposes himself. Or some manipulative, manipulative tete. And some of you in the church, you're manipulators. You need to repent. 
You're operating by a manipulative, demonic spirit, Tete. Instead of the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, training your daughters, training the people in your, how to be godly women. Ah, pastor, you shouldn't talk like this. You'll empty the church. If this empties the church, it needs to be emptied. See, there's a Holy Spirit that gives you real authority, that builds on foundations that can't be shaken, that are not operated out of fear, but operated out of faith, operated out of a boldness and a strength and a confidence in Christ that uplifts, that encourages, that comforts, that strengthens, that builds families, that builds institutions, that builds businesses. But when we go with the evil spirits, when we traffic in that, we curse ourselves, we curse our families, we curse our businesses. That's why God sent the Holy Spirit. And he sent it to the Gentiles who were practicing the very things that you're practicing here in Africa. You have to understand, there was only one monotheistic religion at the time. Everybody else were polytheists. They believed in multitudes of gods, Molech and Baal and all kinds of different gods and goddesses. And there was one monotheistic religion, Judaism. And out of Judaism came one God. And through that one God, there came a son, Jesus Christ, who redeemed all mankind. That's why this gospel is so powerful. But you and I need to be redeemed out of polytheism. Your ancestors are not gods. In fact, your ancestors aren't alive. It's appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. So what is it that you're talking to? It's not the Holy Spirit, it's demons. How are you calling my parents demons? No, I'm calling your parents dead. If they're dead, they're dead. You will see them again as resurrected spirits in resurrected bodies one day. If they're in Christ. Do you want the Holy Spirit or do you want to keep trafficking in a demonic spirit? Because I'm going to tell you something. Many of you are conflicted. And the reason that there's little power in your life and little power in the church is because we've not given the rightful place to the Holy Spirit. And on this Pentecost Sunday, on this day, 50 days after Jesus was buried and crucified and resurrected from the dead, 50 days later, he sent his Holy Spirit. And he promised us, if we asked, he wouldn't give us a serpent. He wouldn't give us a, 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 a stone or a scorpion, but he would give us his Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit comes power, real power. Not the kind of power you see by diviners, not the power that you see by false prophets. I'm talking about a real power, the power to be a witness. There comes the power for healing, the power for prophecy. 
the power to speak, and the power to speak in another tongue, to have a prayer language. I'd like you all to stand wherever you're at. If you're listening online, I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, I want that Holy Spirit. He'll fill you right where you are. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he'll come to you right there. I wish I was there to lay hands on you. But you lay hands on your heart and ask him to come into your heart. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.